copy of God's Word, go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 is where we are today. Last week we were in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and we talked about how God created man and God created woman in his own image, and he um, created them for relationship. And we, we really worked through, talked about what, what that looks like in marriage. And, and we thought about some specific roles and responsibilities for both Adam and Eve in marriage and, and, and God's purpose for marriage in the world. And today we, we go to Genesis chapter 3, where we see that it doesn't take long before Adam and Eve act in a disobedience to God. And what we come to find out is this disobedience to God is, is great because God is great. Because God is pure and holy, sin and evil and rebellion must be punished. He, he is a God of love and of mercy, but he is a God of holiness and of justice and of, of perfection. And so we see great consequence for the sin of Adam and Eve. And we see how that consequence of sin affects all of humanity not just then not not just thousands of years ago in the garden of eden but humanity from that point going forward even to the point of how it affects us from the coffin or from the from the point of conception all the way to the coffin humanity is affected by the consequence of sin certainly of our sin but just by sin in the world sin sin as it flows out of us and as it affects this world around us and so we want to take a look today in Genesis chapter 3 at some of the consequences for that sin and then I want to offer you a word of hope and encouragement um, of how Christ is at work to overcome those consequences and to call you to faith and to follow him as your, as his, as your Lord um, in your life. And so look with me in Genesis chapter 3. We go to verse 16. Adam and Eve disobey God. And God comes and confronts them over their disobedience. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, he begins by speaking to Eve. He says... To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you will return. The first thing that we see here, the first consequence of sin is a painful entry into the world. A painful entry into the world. As I said just a moment ago, from conception all the way to the coffin, humanity is affected by sin's consequences. And so when, when you see in the Bible a text like verse 16 there where something is repeated, it can mean that the author is trying to emphasize what, what's being written there in the text or 
It can mean that there is a slight nuance, a slight difference in what's being said. And that's the case here in this text. In verse 16 where he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. The first phrase has to do with actually the pregnancy process. It has to do with conception and it has to do with carrying the baby to term. Did you know that in the world today there are 50 million couples who struggle with infertility according to medical scientists? 50 million couples struggle with infertility. That was something that we struggled with early in our marriage. While Monica and I lived in Birmingham, we spent several years trying to figure out and understand the difficulty and and what was causing it for us to be able to have children. And it was what led us ultimately down the road to adoption. And we know that the Lord used that infertility, but still it was very painful. It was very difficult. A very difficult season for us to walk through. And then as women go through pregnancy, we know there are many potential risks in pregnancy. There are things that can happen to the mother. There are things that can happen to the child. That there are many possibilities that the pregnancy will not end at full term. That happened to us in 2006 when at 26 weeks old we believe that, that due, because, due to a, a, an accident with the cord being wrapped around his neck that little Benjamin's heart stopped beating. That he died in his mother's womb and, and we buried him in Smith's Grove. Again, a very difficult time. Not necessarily because Monica sinned or I sinned specifically, but because of sin, because of its consequence. And maybe you have known of infertility. Maybe you've had a difficult pregnancy. Maybe something has happened to your child along the way. And we see here the consequence of sin factors into that, to that time. We see here as well that, that, that God says, In pain you shall bring forth children. The women in the room do not need me, nor do they want me, a man, to explain that to them whatsoever. Those who have delivered children fully and completely understand what that means. They have experienced that pain. And many of us have, as husbands have feared for our lives as we have witnessed our wives experience that pain. It is, <laughs> I hear you, it is hard to believe. It is hard to believe that, that that process was intended to be without pain. But yet it is the consequence of sin that we see here that brings pain into this equation. And so we begin with a painful entry into this world. And then secondly, he he talks also about marriage. He talks about the relationship between Adam and Eve. And he says that that because of their sin, that there will be a strain in the marriage relationship. A strain in the marriage relationship. Because, Because the sin that was committed by Eve and by Adam, it was more than just an outward action. It was an expression of what was in their hearts. A desire to push against God, to to rebel against God, and to to live in a way that he did not instruct them to live. Therefore, that that rebellion that that still is in our hearts, that even even as Christians we have to fight against 
that tendency to fall into sin, to give in to sin, sinful temptation, that that desire within us causes tension in relationships. And certainly an effect of it is here in this primary relationship, in the marriage relationship. Look what he says to them in verse 16. He says to Eve, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. You see, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we saw God create marriage. He gave responsibilities to the husband. He gave responsibilities to the wife. The roles were very different. There are different responsibilities, but both have equal value. They're both created in the image of God, but they have very unique responsibilities in that relationship called marriage. God called Adam and he calls men to be the leader of their homes and to be the primary protector of their homes. And he calls wives to come alongside and and to be the primary source of nurture and of care. To come alongside and together they're able to care for each other, to care for the children, to care for their home as they go forward. But here in this text, God is saying, a consequence of your sin is that you're going to push against that. And what we see is that some men will not lead in their homes. Some men will not protect their homes. Some men, in fact, abandon their homes. They don't care for those that, that God has called them to care for and to lead in the way that, that he has called them to do so. And we see some women come against their husbands and want to dominate and tear down their husband and to assume that lead role and and that there is tension there as well. And some men because of that and some men just because of the sin that's in them, they rule, meaning they take it with force. They lead by violence. They, they, They lead by anger. They don't lead in grace. There is to be justice and fairness and, and, and righteousness in the home. And, and, and there ought to be a, an appropriate discipline. But abuse is not a part of that. Ruling in that way is not leading as God would have a man lead. Abusing a wife, abusing children, that is not what God has ever called a man to do. And so here God says that this, this relationship will be marred going forward. And then he says, not only will it be in your home, it will be outside of the home. If you noticed in the text, the ground even receives consequence of humanity's sin. And that leads us to the third thing that we see in this text, a life, and I called it a life of prickly work. A life of prickly work work because here if you look at this text it says in verse 17 cursed is the ground because of you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you it is amazing to me how I can be standing in my yard on a Saturday afternoon and we're trying to make up our mind in our landscaping if this bush is going to make it into the fall and into the winter. When we have cared for that bush, 
you would think that it was a child. That we have provided for it, that we have fed it, that we have cared for that bush. That over here is a hole from its brother that didn't make it through and now we have to replant that. But in between these two bushes, there's this little prickly stalk of a weed growing to the heavens. I mean, these two plants that we have invested money in and are trying to keep them alive are dying on us. And Jack and the beanstalk is happening right here in between us. And I have to carefully reach down there, trying not to move the earth so much that that little thorny bush jabs into my knee and find the right place to reach and grab it so it doesn't get my arm and yank it out of the ground and throw it out in the yard to feed it to the lawnmower later in the week. We see that all around us. All those little lollipops that my kids love to blow on in the springtime that pop up so freely in my yard. When you have watered and fertilized and you have worked to try to compete with your neighbors for the best yard award. (laughs) And all of a sudden it's the lollipop factory out of nowhere across your front yard. We see this. We we see things that, that are not intended to be planted there or to grow here that serve no real purpose. And yet there they are. And we know that farmers and those who work in agriculture have to deal with that. That, that, that is a, a constant issue for them as they plant and as they harvest their crops in. As, as farmers bring in the hay, the grass, to feed their cattle throughout the winter. They have to deal with the earth in that way. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't work outdoors. But if you want to talk about thorns and thistles, I could take you down to the office and introduce you to a few. Right? And they seem to sprout up and grow in the cubicle next to me or down in the supervisor's office. Or in that person that I have to tiptoe around through the staff meeting this week. And it affects us. It affects our hearts. and, And we become difficult to work with. And that word work, in Genesis chapter 1, work is a good thing. Work comes before sin in the Bible. Did did you realize that? Work has been given to care for God's creation, to to have dominion over it, to, to see it prosper and to flourish. But now by Genesis chapter 3, this work becomes work. Right? I have to go to work. Kids, you work hard in school so you can grow up and go to work. (laughs) If you don't get busy, I'm going to give you some work to do, right? It becomes a threat because it becomes something that's difficult, that's hard. Because systems break, machines tear up. People work against the process. Thorns and thistles grow up from the ground and cause The farmer is a hard time. It's because of sin. It's because of the consequence of sin in this world around us. And then here we look in this text. And and this last one, it needs little explanation of its pain, of its hurt. 
as you see there in verse 19, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Finally, there is a sad exit out of this world. Sin's consequent has, has made it painful and difficult for entry into this world. And has made the exit of this world a reality. Something that, that, that we push against. There's just something in us that, that, that nobody looks out to embrace death. But yet it affects all of us. We all grieve the loss and the pain of, of having to say goodbye to those that we love. And some people face long, languishing processes of death where we watch them suffer and decline and our hearts break as we watch that happen. And then others face death in just a, an unexpected, quick, tragic fashion that it just takes our breath away. That they're gone. And the Bible says all of this is consequence of sin. Now maybe you're thinking, I sure hope he doesn't end right here. Because this would not be a very encouraging way to stop. To end this time of worshiping together today. And friend, I want to tell you that there is good news, that, that we don't have to stop right here. If we go forward in the Bible, we, we, we read this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read you a portion of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 22, Paul says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for I, as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, the Bible teaches that, that sin didn't just affect Adam. Sin affected every descendant of Adam that comes after him. That when that newborn baby is introduced in the world, that that newborn baby, David said in the Psalms, is born in sin. That doesn't mean that his mother or his father sinned in bringing him into the world. It means that, that sin has affected that newborn already. They are born with a sin nature, we believe the Bible teaches. And that is true of all except one who has lived on planet earth. And his name is Jesus. And the reason that he is different is because he was born fully man. But he was also born fully God. He was God who took on flesh and came and dwelt here among us. And unlike Adam and Eve and unlike you and me, Jesus lived Perfectly, He never disobeyed. He never rebelled against the Father in heaven. For 33 years, he lived in complete and total obedience to God. Therefore, God allowed him, out of his kindness and goodness, to step into our place as a substitute. And at the cross, 
Jesus goes and he takes on the punishment of death that he did not deserve, but that I deserved. And so he took my death for him, for me, and and it was placed on him. And he died there that day at the cross. He didn't faint. He didn't pass out. He didn't just pretend to be dead. He was dead. And they buried him in a tomb for three days. And after those three days, he rose again. And over the next 40 days, more than 500 witnesses encountered the resurrected, the alive again Jesus to attest that he had conquered the grave. Now, why is that so important to Paul? Why is that so important to Christ? Our infertility was painful. It broke our hearts. There was a lot of grief with that. But it led us to adoption. Our desire to have a family, that, that there, there was a way to step where the Lord allowed us to have a family. You may be in a very challenging and difficult marriage. There is hope for your marriage. Your marriage can be changed. It can be reconciled. You two can begin to serve and to love each other. You can be partners together rather than enemies sitting across the table from each other. Your workplace can undergo transformation. People can begin to serve and to work each other. Attitudes can change. They can begin to show kindness and cooperation to each other. there's no coming back from the casket death is the end it is the one thing that human beings have not been able to figure out how to reverse its consequence and so by Christ coming taking on our punishment and dying in our place yet overcoming death he proves to us that he is all powerful that he has the ability to overcome even our greatest enemy which is death and God's intention in the resurrection is to give us hope to say that if he can overcome even death then he can take something that's even worse and change it your sin the reason for death That he can take your sin and rebellion that leads to death and he can give you life. And though you face death even now, even you Christian face death, you can die with the hope that it is not permanent, it is not lasting and eternal. That one day when Christ comes, the resurrected Christ, that he has promised that he will resurrect all of those who are with him so that we may be with him, so that we may return on the new earth to the Garden of Eden where there will not be sin, where there will not be separation. That there will be fellowship with God. Fellowship, relationship with each other. And sin's consequences will be felt no more. And we will give way no more to sin and its temptation in our lives. Therefore, relationships will have harmony. That they will have peace. 
our work. It will have meaning like we've never imagined on the new earth. Jesus has come to overcome the penalty and the consequence of our sin by providing the payment for our sin, which is Him. He calls you, He calls me to trust Him, to confess our sin, to ask Him for forgiveness of that sin, and then to promise to follow after Him, seeking His help by His power to walk in obedience. That is called repentance. And that's what Jesus calls for throughout the New Testament in His earthly ministry, to repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom where sin and its consequences do not overwhelm, where they can be reversed and God redeems His people. And it begins here and it ends in the new earth when Jesus establishes his kingdom there. But it is alive and well in us, in the church, in him. He is faithful and calls us to be faithful, to follow him through every aspect of life that has been affected by sin. But he calls us to walk with him, to know him, to love him, to depend on him, to rest in him, to be obedient to him, to call on him for strength, to be faithful and obedient. Friend, today, if you don't know Jesus, we would love to help you understand how you can come and be in a personal relationship with Christ and how you can join together in this church to help one another as we follow after Jesus. And maybe see him begin to transform these broken relationships that we've talked about. The consequence, the curse of sin that affects them so deeply. If you're joining us online, you, you reach out by text. You can see the number there, 270-279-1031. And we'll follow up with you. For those here in the room with us today, at the end of the service, there'll be a few of us over just on the other side of the lobby, out in the foyer there. We'd love to talk with you and spend just a few moments helping you come to understand how you can follow after Christ. Let's, let's pray and then we'll sing together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. God, for your goodness that has pursued us so that we may be redeemed. Lord, so that we may have hope in Christ. God, we pray that you would forgive us for our sin, for our rebellion against you. And Lord, that you would call us to repentance, to confess our sin, to place our faith in you, and then to follow you as our Lord. Lord, would you be honored today as we worship you, as we place our faith and our trust in you. May our obedience Father, glorify you because you are worthy. You are our creator. And Lord, you are our redeemer. We thank you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.